0: My name is Eddie. I am one of the pastors here at Grace. It's so good to see you. Uh, Pastor David and Megan and Andrew, they are out in Tennessee at a boot camp. So they're they're learning, they're growing, they're being challenged as they prepare for this next season of life uh, as they plant a church in Denver. So you're stuck with me today, but that's cool. We're going to have a good time. So, all right, all right. That was not my intention, but thank you. That was so nice. Now, over the past few weeks, we've begun this series on the fruit of the Spirit. Last week, Pastor David talked about love and what it is to, to love God, to receive his love, and, and our proper response to his love. And this week, we're going to talk about joy. I want to convince you that, that because joy is listed among these, these fruit of the Spirit, you and I... We can authentically obey Paul when he commands in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. In other words, I want to say that because joy is a fruit of the Spirit, because joy is something that springs up as a result of the Spirit's work in our life, we are able to, we can confidently say that we will rejoice in the Lord always. Let me pray real quick. Father God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit, Holy Spirit, that you would be here, that, that you would encourage us, Lord, with your word, that, that we would walk away not discouraged by the lack of joy in our life, but that we would be encouraged as we gaze upon the person and the work of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now I wouldn't have to argue this point if it weren't for the fact that you and I, we live in a broken world. You don't have to do a whole lot to know that. If you have children, you know that we, we live in a broken world. You don't have to teach kids to, to sin or disobey. If you read the news, you know that we live in a broken world. If you have your eyes open and you have any sort of relational connectivity with any other individual, you know that something is wrong. Right? But that's not the way it always was. When God created everything, he created it what? Good absolutely he created it good he created light darkness uh, the earth the the universe stars animals plants fish us and he said it was very good when he created man and woman they were in a good relationship both with him and with one another they had a home they had food they didn't have to go to Harris Teeter or Wegmans they just literally they woke up and they're like which tree today right they had it good there was a bacon tree. No, I'm just kidding. There wasn't a bacon. Maybe there were. <laughs> There you go. They had purpose and fulfillment in their work. They'd been told, you're going to tend this garden. It was work that was fulfilling. It wasn't work that was, that was hard, that was unfulfilling, that was toil, toilsome. It was good, uh, satisfying work. And they had every reason to be joyful and no reason to think it would end. Unfortunately, they sinned, Right? They broke the one prohibition God gave them, saw all the trees, and they decided, you know what, we're going to go with this talking snake, and we're going to listen to what he has to say, because that makes sense, cool. Uh, And they disobeyed God. And because of that, there was separation between God and man. There was separation between Adam and Eve. There was separation between Adam Eve and their provision in Eden. They became homeless. Work became hard unfulfilling childbearing which should have been a joy became painful and Adam's work was now difficult and tiring Christ came to restore what was lost in the fall Christ came so that we might really rejoice always Christ came to make joy possible now we're going to read this scripture so everyone stand up real quick This is Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Ready? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Father God, help us to be filled with love. Amen. Please be seated. I have a bit of a sweet tooth. I think I've said that before once or twice or many times. And if you've hung out with me or my wife, you know that to be the case. Uh, In in a former job, I, I worked out west and I would drive down seven and there is a pie shop on seven. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. And so every day for a number of months, I'd drive by that pie shop and eventually I stopped because that's the law. You, that's what you're supposed to do. And I, I remember stopping in and buying some pies. Yes, plural pies, because again, that's the law. Um, and as you might imagine, my happiness meter was going up. I mean, they had strawberry rhubarb with crumbles on top and they had, you know, classic lattice work, apple pie, and a, a bunch of other things that don't matter. Cause it's just strawberry rhubarb for me, but, but they had w- what you wanted. And if, If they didn't, then you probably didn't belong there. They had what I wanted, and I took it home and I ate it with my family. (laughs) You guys, some of you has had a mental picture of me just in a corner, which, anyways. um, But after the excitement was gone, after I had I had had my fill, all of a sudden the happiness evaporated. I was crestfallen. The the pie tin was empty, right? Where was my happiness? It was in my stomach, but it wasn't making me happy anymore, right? When we look at this passage, this is silly, but when we look at this passage, we want to distinguish between happiness, as we understand it, and joy. I don't want to draw too strict of of a distinction except to say that when Paul talks about joy, He's not talking about the kind of happiness that rises up when you pass a pie shop. As good as that is, he's talking about the kind of happiness that rises up when we look on the unchanging, unfailing, eternal reality that Jesus Christ died for you. Yeah. That he rose again, defeating Satan, sin, and death, and that he says, come, yeah. come. Let's have a relationship. Let's celebrate for eternity. Right? There, there's happiness which is here today, gone tomorrow, here today, gone after the next spoonful. And then there's joy, which has a ballast that is intended to secure and strengthen and give weight and gravity to your life. That is joy. It's good news that doesn't change. So I want to look at this connection between our happiness and, and Christ's work. Now, let, let's turn in your Bibles first of all to Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. You, you can turn there or you can just listen. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to, heal, uh, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of A vengeance of our God to comfort all those who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give to them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. And listen to this, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. You see, joy comes in contrast with the reality of the fall. We have everywhere the reality of the fall. You probably experienced on your way to church, the reality of the fall. Um, this week you've experienced the reality of the fall. Maybe you've experienced it in your own body. Maybe you've experienced it in your your family or you've experienced it at work, that things are broken, relationships are broken, our bodies are broken, and we have that facing us. Now joy comes in contrast to that. This text is the same text that Jesus quotes in Luke chapter 4. We, we see him in the temple and he begins his earthly ministry this way. He reads that text and he says this. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, Jesus came to right what was made wrong in the fall. The joy of God's salvation comes in stark contrast with the despair that was brought by the Pharaoh. When we When we think about what Christ has done for us, when our joy rises... It presents a contrast to the despair around us, right? This is the thing that makes us unique in the world, right? In some places, it, it talks about how we're, we're joyful but sorrowful at the same time, or we're, we're weeping but we're also happy. And to the world, we, we can kind of seem like like we've got two minds, but the reality is there's something unique about Christianity because we can live in the tension of pain and yet still experience real, deep happiness. Not flippant, not circumstantial, not temporary, but real happiness. When you know Jesus has come and he has come to bring gladness instead of mourning, you can rejoice. This is why Paul can say, rejoice in the Lord always. Paul, in half of his letters, he's in prison. And this is not like prison where you have three square meals a day and you know you have a bunk bed and you know air conditioning no this is like i have shackles i have a like chains real chains and he's saying you can rejoice i can rejoice we can rejoice because god's grace in the gospel presents a, a distinct contrast to the hopelessness in the world Now, not only does joy come in in contrast, it comes in in concert with what God has done through Christ for you and for others. When you look at the Bible, if you were to search for the the phrase great joy, there's about five occurrences of it in the Bible, and I'm gonna look at four of them. There's five occurrences in the New Testament, I'm sorry. They always have something to do with Christ. Great joy is always in the New Testament tied to, to Christ. Let's look at one. Matthew chapter ten or chapter 2, verse 10. Again, you don't have to go there. You can jot it down. I'm going to read it. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. The Magi are, are traveling. They're going to find the baby Jesus. They're, they're going to find this star and worship this, this baby who is the Savior. And it says this. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Right. If you were to write that as a uh, kindergartner or first grader, your teacher would say that's bad English. They, they rejoice exceedingly with great joy. That's redundant. What is Matthew trying to do there? He's reminding us they were, they were happy. They were joyful. They had been pursuing this, this promise, this savior. And when they saw the star, the sign that they were getting close, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Christ is a joy. For all people. And he goes on to t- say, uh, no, Luke, in Luke, it goes on to say this in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Hi. <laughs> and the angel said to them, the angel speaking to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. The promise of Jesus Christ was good news of what? A great joy. Joy in that moment was being personified. The angel was saying, I bring you good news. What good news? The great joy that's coming. Jesus Christ. Christ, the the Savior was coming and the angel was proclaiming that God was giving the world a reason to be happy. Now, not only does the Bible, does the New Testament talk about great joy in his, his advent, his coming, which is appropriate. We're getting there. We're getting close. Target thinks we're there now, but we're not quite there. We're getting there. But even at the end of his ministry, if we flip back to Matthew 28, it says this. Matthew 28, verse 8. This is Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and they're at the tomb and that the tomb is empty and they realize that Jesus has risen from the dead. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to the disciples. Have you ever told your kid or maybe seen a kid who's heard good news like you're going to go have a play date with so-and-so or you're going to have a birthday party or congratulations you just won an Xbox. They're going to run. And they're going to tell people, this is the kind of excitement and joy that the Marys were uh, excited about and and they were running to the disciples to let them know. These are grown women running because they had to tell them right away. You need to know yesterday that Jesus has been risen from the dead. This is the same good news that's good news for you and me. We're removed... Maybe we don't have the tomb right here, but but I want you to hear this. My hope is that you're listening for yourself, that this joy was not Mary's joy, just Mary's joy, or Peter's joy, or or the Magi's joy, or the shepherds. This is your joy. At the end of Luke's gospel. In Luke 24. If I can get there. Luke twenty-four. Verses 50 to 52. Jesus has has met with them in his resurrection body. He's met with his disciples and he says this. Then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. See, when you see what God has done, when you experience what God has done for you, we, we as a church, we have a mission and one of, those mi- one of the elements of that mission is to encounter Christ because we understand that there is something motivating and grounding about experiencing Christ that it creates the kind of joy that transforms people, yes. Right? And so the, the disciples, they, they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. This, this group of 120 individuals we would go and see in Acts that they, the Holy Spirit would fall on them and they would change the world. Not because they had some great strategy, not because they, they had some sort of influential plan to, to take over, but because they had seen their risen Savior and they were filled with joy despite the fact that many of them would be martyred and imprisoned, and disadvantaged. The world didn't understand. But they were filled with the kind of joy that overcomes their circumstance. Joy comes in concert with what God has done in Christ. And here's the thing. He's done this for you and for the people around you. Look with me or listen to Luke chapter 10 verses 17 through 20. Now this is a neat, this is a neat story. So Jesus has sent out the, the 72 disciples and said, you know, go and minister, cast out demons, help people, pray for people, do all these things. And the 72 return with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. I mean, that must've been really jarring and exciting, right? You're, you're walking around with your partner and casting out demons. You get out, you get out, you get out. You know? And you come back and you're like, This is kind of awesome. And on the inside, you're like, I'm kind of awesome. And Jesus, it's so funny. I just imagine him, if he had a recliner, he would kick back the recliner at this point and said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are... Are written in heaven. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. This, our joy is not dependent even in our own ability to be awesome super Christians, which gives me hope, right? Hooray! Our joy, your joy, is not dependent upon how often you come to church. Now, please come to church. Please don't. Pastor Brett Eddie told us we didn't have to come to church. <laughs> but but whether or not you perform, that's not that's not the litmus test of, of your joy. That that's that's securing for me because like you, sometimes I don't do great. And like you, we have someone who has done great. We have Jesus. He's, joy comes in concert with what God has done in Christ for you. Finally, when, when joy comes, it comes without judgment. Got one more text, and then we're going to be about done. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 17 and 18 says this, do not rejoice when your enemy falls and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased and turn away his anger from him. Again, your joy and my joy, it's not based on what we do. This is not accolades for for how awesome we are. This is, not, this is not about self-esteem. This is not the kind of happiness of, about how good I am today, whether or not I read my Bible today, whether or not I prayed enough, whether or not I was kind enough. This joy is based on what Christ did, and that means that boasting is excluded. That means that when you come to church, you come to church as someone who is in need of grace and who has received grace in Christ. And that means that the person next to you, however badly they smell, or, or however badly, you know, they're whatever it is that you notice. No. No, your joy is not on how awesome you are. Your joy is how awesome Christ is. So you're able to come alongside someone else. You're lo- able to come alongside fellow sinners and celebrate. That's the only thing that makes church work. Right? If this if this is going to be the sort of thing where, where we're competing for awesomeness... I'm going to lose and it's going to get ugly <laughs> probably in the other direction the opposite order but, but if this is a thing where we recognize there's no judgment apart from Christ's judgment and that we're, we're sinners walking together toward our Savior, Savior then, then, then judgment is excluded when you see what God has done In Christ for you and for others, joy will rise. Now, I I was praying over this and I was trying to think about this, and and we can all affirm this. It's in the Bible, it's not hard to affirm this. This is not a hard yes, God wants us to be filled with joy. But I want to I want to recognize that maybe you came today and you aren't filled with joy. Maybe you've heard these stories you've listened you know who jesus is you grew up in church but today it's not a day for joy maybe it's because life is hard maybe it's because you're in a in a season of of confusion or or in a situation where you don't have all the answers and 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 the reality is that god allows us to experience these situations to help us to see where our happiness really is founded, and so there's no judgment if you come today and you're like Pastor Eddie, that's great for you. But my encouragement is, this is for you. And maybe maybe you're in this room and and you don't you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you came because someone encouraged you, invited you, tricked you, whatever. Maybe you just wandered in because you were doing something else in the school and. What's going on here? (laughs) Hello, welcome, if that's you. Um, But this is for you as well. The world is a difficult place. And if we're honest, life can be difficult. But we're not defined by that. We're defined by the reality that Jesus Christ did something 2000 years ago and that has direct bearing on life now yes. Yes. that has that has something to say about your circumstances and that is why Paul when he says to the Philippians he says rejoice in the lord not when you feel good. Don't, he doesn't say rejoice in the Lord when things are going well. Rejoice in the Lord when your kids are being nice to one another. Rejoice in the Lord when your finances are going great. Rejoice in the Lord when your boss is not being a jerk. Rejoice in the Lord when your your, your marriage is perfect. Rejoice in the Lord where, when, when things are lining up perfectly with your dreams and your desires and your plans for your life. He's saying to people who are poor, who have given out of their poverty. He's saying from jail, rejoice in the Lord always, because Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always, because Christ. So today, as we consider the fruit of the Spirit, the fact that this is a supernatural reality that you can't conjure up yourself, I want to encourage you that even though you can't make yourself joyful, you can, by the power of God, Because of what Jesus Christ has done, you can rejoice in the Lord and you can be filled with joy, not by your own pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, but by seeing and appreciating and being awed by what God has done. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you love us. Lord, we we want to experience the kind of great joy that, that Mary experienced, the kind of great joy that the the wise men experience. We want to be awed by what you have done in in history. Lord, I pray for the individuals here who have come in and joy is not the defining characteristic of the day. And I pray that you would open their eyes that they might see how awesome Christ is for their sake. That it would not be a reality outside them, but it would be something that reaches deep into the depths of their heart and they would say, Christ did that for me. And man, that makes me happy. God, we want to walk in a way that, that reflects the joy that you've established in our hearts. A joy that's in contrast to the world and a joy that's in concert with what you've done. A joy that, that isn't judgmental, but that is encouraging and that's motivating. Let us be those kind of people.